Welcome to Inside Yorkshire with Susan, bringing you intriguing details about the lives of people here in Yorkshire. So, come on in and join us. Good afternoon, this is Susan coming to you from Inside Yorkshire. I'm here today with Dr. Mike Brooks, the um, GP at Reith Medical Practice. And um, thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us, Mike. No, thank you, Sue. Thank you. <laughs> right. First question. Um, how long have you actually been? I mean, I know. I should know. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like quite a while. How long have you actually been the GP in Reith? Um, so I've been the GP here for all the last 11 years. And you're right, it does seem quite a long time some days. Yeah. And is this your first general practice? Um, no, when I, um, I served as a GP in the armed forces and then when I left the armed forces, I spent a year just doing locum jobs around this area um, before settling here. So I guess it's my first proper practice, if you... Right, sure. Mm-hmm. So um, where did you actually move from when you moved to Breath so, um, or to the area, to the Dales? So in 2004, we were posted from Colchester up to Catterick Garrison and then... Um, from there, I stayed in Catholic Garrison for a couple of years, and then I got involved in the mountain rescue team. Uh, spent a lot of time in Swaledale, and that's where we found our, our house down in, in Low Row, uh, which was a bit of a wreck at the, the time. So we spent a year or two fixing that up, and then uh, the job came along in Reith, and uh, yeah, the rest is just history. So your introduction to the area really then came from your posting in Catrick to start that's with. That's right. Today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you from initially? And believe it or not, I'm actually a Brummie. Oh, yeah. You don't, you don't have a Birmingham accent. It's, it's kind of, um, because we've lived all over the country uh, with the forces, you, you kind of pick up little bits here and there mm. of all the different accents. So uh, luckily not too much of the, the Colchester accent kept, <laughs> stayed with me. Right. So as you were an army doctor then, mm. or a, a, an army, I didn't know it was a, called a GP in the army as well. Yeah, so medical yeah. doctor there. So how do you find that it differs? I mean, it must be a tremendous difference out, coming out of the yeah. army and then into yeah. being a, a GP in a, a very rural area here. Yeah, and there, there are um, a lot of parallels with my previous work in the army in the sense that um, in the services you would be given a group of people to look after. You had complete responsibility for their health matters, health needs, it was probably about 800 people that you looked after in a regiment. So there's some similarities there. And at the end of the day, you're in a room with a patient and trying to solve their, their problems that they come with. The other parallel, I guess, is I, I still drive around in a Land Rover, which uh, <laughs> is no different, really. But yeah, Are you still using recycled? I, I know you were quite keen on using reusing fuel, weren't you? That's right. So I... I um, the previous Land Rover, uh, which sadly is no more, um, I converted that to run on vegetable oil. Mm. Uh, so for a while, um, all the home visits around here were done on, on veg oil. Um, unfortunately, the new Land Rovers aren't so compatible with, with that. And I, it's very electronic and I don't uh, tinker too much with it. <laughs> no. I know actually when you um, renovated the house that you moved into, mm. you were very keen on alternative power sources and that sort of thing, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So so we um, we had to kind of rainwater harvesting and uh, uh, grey water recycling and things. Did you have a heat pump? No, just uh, just the the water heaters on the roof. 
the, oh, the, the right. kind of solar tubes for the, for the water heating. Okay, yeah. that's good. Right, I understand because it was publicised that you and your wife um, actually ended up spending, we've had quite a bad winter this winter, that's haven't right. we? Yes, yeah, yeah. And that you ended up camping out in the surgery, I understand, mm. to make sure that you got here because it was... A good fall this year, wasn't it? It was, and, and uh, it was fairly persistent at that. So, uh, yeah, for a, a few nights, we, we actually set up camp here <laughs> in the surgery. Um, but, yeah. That was dedication, really. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm um, really wondering how then, because I know you have children, how mm. you managed to juggle all of that, Yeah. really managing the, the balance between work and home life, really. It can be very, very challenging at times. Um, I'm lucky in some ways that my, my son is a, he's a six years old and he's, he's a very early riser. So we, we, we tend to get up at half past four or five o'clock in the morning oh and uh, take our dogs out. So I, I do get to spend quite a bit of quality time with him there. And then um, I catch them most nights when I get home, although it's kind of quite late in the, in the day. A lot of the work I try and do at night time when they're asleep so kind of administration or um, when I work shifts in the out of hours, it tends to be overnights and things. So it's, uh, at least I'm not missing yes. out. Yes. Difficult though with young children, isn't Indeed. it? Yeah, yeah. With any, yeah. any work-life balance, really. Yeah. Now then, I, I saw last time I was in here that you were graded as a practice as outstanding in virtually everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you've you've quite a team working with you here, I so I just yeah. wondered if you could uh, tell me a little bit about how many you've got working here. Certainly. So um, we have a small dispensary here. So we've got two dispensers. That's uh, Jen and Adele. Um, we've got receptionist who's Marge. Uh, our practice nurse is Vicky, and then um, we've got uh, Marie, who uh, kind of does all the. So that's, that's my wife. She does all mm. the uh, practice administration and and. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the team are very, very dedicated and um, they spend a lot of their time trying to make me look good, which is great. <laughs> I know one of the questions, actually, that um, I won't drop the person in, but um, a, a local person uh-huh. said to me, how on earth do you manage to be so nice to all of us? Because I'm, sure I'm sure we're quite challenging at times. <laughs> uh, that's part of the fun, though. Life's hard enough as it is without, without having to be grumpy, so, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you were nominated to be become a fellow of the Royal College of GPs recently. Yeah. I know nothing about that. And I wondered if you could explain the process sure, and yeah. what yeah. was behind the nomination. Okay, so uh, the Royal College of General Practitioners, based in London, um, it's got about 50,000 GP members. So it's the biggest medical college going. It is the kind of face of the profession There is a a kind of fellowship scheme, so you get nominated by one of your colleagues, uh, and the nominations can can be on different uh, for different reasons. So, uh, if you're a very academic GP or you're in some management position, they can sort of nominate you for work you've done in in your practice. Uh, So, I I was nominated for the latter. For the in the practice, Uh, yeah. I mean, I also do quite a bit of work outside of the practice. For two years, I was the um, end-of-life care fellow at the Royal College in London. So I did that as additional work to what I do in the practice. And that was about promoting um, and improving quality of care for people in the last few months, days of life. Mm. Um, I sit on the faculty board in the Royal College in Cumbria. They've got a, like a, uh, they divide up the nation into small faculties. So I sit on their, their board there. And then I've also 
been involved in improving healthcare for military veterans, and it's it, it's like a national project at the moment. So uh, there's there's That's quite a huge few, variation. There's quite a few really. things that go on, really. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And presume well, you you will have to keep on top of everything medically, um, medical advances and that type for of sure. thing. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's difficult right. to keep. I would think. Well, how on earth you fit it all in amazes me. Just to ask you, is there a particular part of medicine that's your passion? Anything that you're particularly um, keen on? I think by virtue of being a GP, you, you kind of have an interest in many, many things. And so, I mean, palliative and end of life care is, an, is a real kind of interest for me because it's, I think it's something we can do really, really well. And, and people and families kind of can really benefit from, from good quality mm. end of life care. Uh, and the, the military veterans, obviously, I'm a. Uh, I've got a soft spot for sure. for soldiers and ex-soldiers looking after their needs. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, actually, the the practice here, the the fact that you're a dispensary as well, mm-hmm. and also, I talk to people who live in different parts of the country who say you've almost got to decide when you're going to be ill in order to get an appointment. Sure. Whereas yeah. here, at least as well, we can come in and just wait on a morning, yeah. and you're yeah. guaranteed to be seen, which is. I think becoming increasingly unusual. So I understand. It makes me really sad to hear these sort of stories. As I know, well. it's but, not good, uh, is it? No. But then you're giving a, an exceptional service Thank here. You. Thank you. Just wondered, I mean, it's been, I understand it's 70, National Health is 70 years old in mm-hmm. July this year. Quite a bit of publicity about that. Yes. I just wondered how you see the National Health Service evolving in rural areas, do you mm. think? There must have been considerable change anyway, but how do you Absolutely. see the way forward? And it's going to be quite a challenging time for the NHS in general with, with finances um, and for rural general practice. Mm. There's going to be quite a few challenges. Sorry, the RAF flying <laughs> past there. <laughs> um, particularly because the big trend now is to work, work at scales, emerging practices, which is difficult in a geographic area like ours, where it's a long distance to the nearest other practice. Uh, and one of my big fears is that while centralisation can improve quality of some services, it means that people then have to travel to those services. So for someone with a couple of different long-term health problems, it could mean going to lots of different places for that care, and it becomes a bit fragmented, and you lose that overall one-person oversight mm-hmm. that you have here. So that that does concern me. Um, equally, I've met a lot of very keen GP trainees who um, get quite excited about the variety that rural medicine has to offer. So I think if we can encourage people to see that excitement and that generalism, then um, I think the future will be okay. Well, I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say to anyone who was thinking of becoming a doctor? What advice would you give? (laughs) Gosh. Apart from study hard and pass the exams. Yeah, okay, you've got to, you've got to pass the exams and things. Um, but it, it's, an, it's an amazing profession. If, you, if that's your choice to do that, it's an amazing profession. You're in a very, very privileged position where people are opening themselves up to you. And it's, it's amazing what you can, can achieve. And it's so varied and so, there's so much you can do with a medical degree. I don't think you'll go wrong by, by choosing mm. that. Is there anything that you dislike about being a GP? Paperwork. Paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's universal over most jobs, isn't it? I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. (laughs) But I guess you've got a team here. Do you have to do too much of the paperwork yourself? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they they do take that burden away from me, but even so, it it just keeps going. Mm. Yeah. 
<laughs> you um, support and diagnose to the best of your ability those of us here in this mm-hmm. area. I just wondered if at any point you're ill, who mm-hmm. do you go to? Yes, it's a good question. I've got, I've got a I registered with a GP. I can't even remember the last time I, thankfully, that I had to see anybody. And I, I, suppose, I, I suppose I spend a lot of time trying to look after myself and keep myself fit and healthy, exercising every day. And uh, so hopefully it'll be a while before I have to seek anyone's counsel. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope because we all depend upon you. <laughs> How do you wind down and relax from your job? Oh, gosh. It's always in the back of your mind. You kind of mull things over and, and problems and things. But uh, I do a lot of fitness, so fell running, training at home. I quite like building gym equipment. It sounds very strange, but I've, <laughs> I've got a kind of handmade gym at home. Um, so, yeah, just keeping out to Keeping busy. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised, actually, that you've got much time <laughs> for it. If you could have another career, if you mm-hmm. hadn't been able to go into medicine, mm. any thoughts of something else you might have liked to have done? I can't possibly think of anything you always... else. No, it's, 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 it's been an amazing job so far, and I really can't think of anything else. At what, age, at what age did you decide? I think at 18, it was either going to the Marines or... And become a become a doctor, so yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, you thought about the Marines, did I you? I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I did it halfway by by doing both, better both. In the right. End, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes, yes. You get, um, and presumably you travelled yes. widely with it. Yes, I spent quite a lot of time in the Middle East. I was there in two thousand and three in Iraq for the invasion of Iraq as a doctor there. So yeah. Yes, difficult. I would mm. think. Mm. Okay, we've we've been talking about the practice as if you're a one-man band, really. Um, obviously, there's a big team behind yes, you, yeah. but you're not the only doctor here, are you? You've got uh, Dr. Sharon with you as well, who That's does right. two days a week, does she? Yes, so we're, we're very lucky to have uh, Dr. Sharon Smart. Dr. Sharon's been with us since last year, and, and you're right, she does two days a week and covers my holidays, which is very generous of her. And also, I suppose, for those of us who have particular ailments that we would prefer a lady doctor Indeed. to be attending. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually, yes, that's excellent. We actually recruited her through Facebook. Did you? Um, so we put an advert out last year for a, when we needed a new GP. Um, so she came to us through Facebook, which is the first time I think that's happened for us. So how does that work then? You put an advert... On just a on the on, on the surgery Facebook on the, the surgery site. Facebook yeah. site, and then it gets posted and shared. I think the uh, the little video had about ten thousand viewings in the end, so it, it actually got really widely publicised. And uh, yeah, lo and behold, yeah. did you get a lot of applicants? Um, a couple or two or three, which mm. which is about normal for for somewhere out here, really. Uh, somewhere as rural as mm. this, yes. Yeah. So you've got yeah. to want to move. So where did where did she come from? Where well, was she? She actually lived in the the top top end of the dale for a, a wee while now. When she first started out her career, she worked in Durham and then as a GP. And then she spent some time working on writing guidelines for other GPs to follow. And then re- recently she's uh, spent some time looking after Bushmen in Africa before coming back into mainstream GP practice a couple of years ago. So uh, she's got a wealth of experience. And she obviously has mm. that side of her. Yes. I think probably most of us don't know. I think people will be interested to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she should have her own uh, podcast interview. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Tell us something more about that, Mm. definitely, further down the line. That would be good. Now, also, what I wanted to ask you, I know that you're you're very, um, what's the word, ecologically minded, 
about yeah. recycling and everything else. Yeah. And recently you were saying, well, you told me about an idea that you had about recycling all the cardboard, particularly all the boxes that everything comes in. We get them as individuals, mm. Amazon deliveries, huge boxes with little things in them. That's right. <laughs> lots That's and right. lots of wasted yeah. cardboard. And although we can recycle through the the blue bags that we get once mm. a fortnight, there's no way that's going to cope with the, certainly in the surgery with all the deliveries you get, that's right. the amount of uh, cardboard that you get here. And I suppose any of the other businesses mm. who take deliveries in cardboard. So would you like to tell me a little bit about your idea on that? It's, it's, it's not really anything to do with general practice as such, but um, we, we do have a lot of paper and cardboard waste. And that probably makes up the bulk of our, our waste at the practice. Just looking around, there's lots of little businesses in the in the area and they all generate, again, large amounts of cardboard waste, which um, they either send to landfill or they're, they're paying to get taken away to be disposed of or recycled. And I actually think if we all collected together and, and brought our cardboard waste to one place, uh, so the school, the post office, um, the pubs, and the other little shops and stuff around, actually we'd actually have quite a lot of cardboard. Uh, and there are people out there that actually would buy it from us and there's a similar scheme um, operating down um, at Settle, where their swimming pool is run by a, a charity committee. And they raise something like £19,000 a year from recycling cardboard in the community. So my thoughts were that we could make it ecologically sound for the area. We could help out all the small businesses that are currently paying to have their waste taken away. And together as a community, if we raised even half that amount, we'd be able to fund things like the sports facilities for the year for free for for the locals um so yeah, there may be good knock-on benefits win-win all round, really so how how would it work then would there be like a collection point like we have the other recycling yeah absolutely so yeah, there'd, a, there'd be, a big be a, a big bin that people could a big bin or a skip and or a skip we pack it as tightly as we can with cardboard and, and rather than discourage trade waste we'd actually encourage trade waste trade waste yes um, so, so people could just drop the stuff off there we would get it taken away and sold per per ton of cardboard and then use the money. So I guess in a way it could be linked to general practice in the sense that if we fund sports facilities for free for local people or subsidise them heavily, then we're actually improving the health and welfare of people as well mm. as helping the environment and, and small businesses. Sure, yes. No, oh, interesting that one. So have you directed that in anywhere? <laughs> yes. I have. I have indeed. Um, so at the moment it's going to the parish council to see, get their views on on this so, well, yeah, we'll watch, watch, this watch this space indeed, then let's indeed. hope let's keep our fingers crossed mm, that's good definitely. well I'd just like to say thank you very much for agreeing to this interview it's been really good and pleasure. I'm sure a lot of people will be interested to hear what you have to say thank you very much Sue thank okay you. so thank you that's uh, Susan signing up from Inside Yorkshire